Well, happy Easter, everyone. Uh, I'm excited to be in your homes with you today. Uh, we begin a new series called What's After ATX, What's After Austin, Texas. I really enjoyed worship uh, with Carrie Job and Cody Carnes, and, and she made the comment that God's promises are true, and she kept uh, pushing that, like, it's true, it's true, it's true. And I realized in worship this morning, uh, the title of my sermon just goes so well with that because the title that I want to speak to you today from is a good old Texas title, and it's simply this. It's real, y'all. It's real, y'all. <clears throat> I want to talk to you about some things that are real. I know, especially in the climate of today, sometimes it feels like there are so many shifting sands and the winds of change are unpredictable and you wonder what's real, what's not real. Is my job security real? Is my stock portfolio real? Are the relationships that I'm now in quarantine with that they're getting on my nerves, not in my house, but maybe some of yours houses, what's real with that? And I just want to bring us back this morning on Easter Sunday to what what is really real and just remind us all that it's real y'all it is real I have three points that I want to talk to you about today but first for all the kids that are watching um, today I know that you're going to get on the eKids Facebook live page and hang out together with one another that's awesome but but I want to share some jokes with you I've got jokes uh, this one is probably my favorite. It's a bit of a thinker joke. You have to think about it. Um, what's the best way to make Easter easier? What's the best way to make Easter easier? Put an I where the T is. Put an I where the T is. I like that one. Um, what do you call a rabbit with fleas? What do you call a rabbit with fleas? Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. And uh, Sherry Bro is laughing on campus. She is a perfect eKids director at the Exchange Church. Um, how does the Easter Bunny stay in shape? He exercises. Good. Um, what is the Easter Bunny's favorite dance move? The bunny hop. <laughs> the bunny hop. Um, what kind of rabbit tells jokes? I'm going to ask this to Kaylee Everts. Kaylee Everts, what kind of rabbit tells jokes? You don't know? A funny bunny. A funny bunny tells jokes. This is another one that's really great. Uh, let's see. Where does the Easter bunny get his eggs? Where does the Easter bunny get his eggs? From an eggplant. From an eggplant. That's too corny. Anyway, I'm excited today. Feels a little different here at church. Honestly, I showed up to practice today and over the chairs are pictures of our congregation and, and notes that you guys have written in to Carrie and I and to our team, the, the uh, production team and the worship team and all of the volunteers, all 10 of us that make this happen every week. And man, it's just so amazing. It's so beautiful to see your faces. And um, <clears throat> I spent the time, spent some time with the Lord last night, kind of replaying Easter. 
<sighs> this certainly is not looking like the Easter that I anticipated. But last night I settled into this kind of groove and rhythm of just such gratitude. Gratitude. I'm grateful for the creativity at the Exchange Church. I'm grateful for our teams. I'm grateful for children's ministry. I'm grateful for the parking team. I'm grateful for lights and projection and the worship team that's phenomenal. But this Easter, I'm kind of grateful that even in the stripping of away of all the accessories of church, we still can rely on the anointing of God to break every yoke in our lives. Like at the end of the day, maybe this is a, a, a blessing in disguise, church, global church, big C church. Maybe we have gotten accustomed to the benefits of technology and the benefits of culture and society. And, we, and we've used that and leveraged it well as as we should, but maybe for just a season, the Lord is stripping away things, the, the extra fluff, the things so that we find ourselves on our knees in prayer, needing him more today than ever before, understanding that it's only by his power, by his presence and by his anointing that bondages are broken. You see, it's impossible in this moment for me to manufacture breakthrough for you. I can't manufacture it. I can't set the lights for it. I can't cause a smoke machine to create an atmosphere where you get goosebumps. But here's what I can do. I can speak the word of God from this microphone into your living room and understand that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same resurrecting power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within you and it lives within me. And on this day, let us never forget Easter 2020, where we thought we were looking at dead things, but the reality is we're looking at life from a whole new perspective. I want to take you to my text, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 10. And it says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Verse three, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Everybody look at somebody and say shook. They got shook. They shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then they quickly go, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, 
Do not be afraid. Go, to, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Father, we come before you. God, I thank you for your word that is alive. Your word that is standing at the ready. God, to pierce the hearts of men and women and children watching online. And even now, God, there are people who did not say the salvation prayer earlier in this service, but their hearts are being drawn to you. And in the next 16 minutes, we're going to say that prayer together. There are people watching right now that are going to say yes to you, not by the extravagance of the exchange church, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. We prophesy it when we declare it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, if you're not sitting down, you can go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to be with you for a few minutes. Um, Easter feels really different. Now, there are some good things about that and some not so good things about that. I'm sure we can all find the not so good things about today being different. But there are some good things about today being different. Number one, I saved a lot of money on Easter this year. I don't know if you did. I didn't have to step in the mall one time. I didn't have to go to Target, excuse me, Target one time. I didn't have to look for clothes. I just, I didn't have to do, well, I had to wear clothes, but I didn't have to buy any new clothes. So that's, that's one benefit. Another benefit is, um, and maybe this isn't a benefit. My wife would say this is not a benefit, but I think that it is. We are not doing family blue bonnet pictures. Now, in my book and possibly every man watching, well, every man in the world that uh, is, has to go with his wife and his children to blue bonnet pictures, I don't know. This is, this is great news for all of us. Micah is 20, gosh, normally I look to my wife to tell me how old he is. He's in his mid twenties and when he was at home and a kid, and we had Addison and Jordan and Tristan and Michaela and Micah, we had five kids. And about this time, right after church, we would be driving to this big city in Texas called Giddings. And we'd be driving to this huge town, Giddings, and somewhere along the way, we would see a patch of flowers and my wife would very kindly demand that I stop the car and we would all get out and of course Michaela was just you know all smiles and so happy and she was helping arrange the Tristan the Tristan the Tristan who was four years old and Jordan who was seven and Addison was standing there and she was 11 and Michaela's getting everyone ready and then there's Micah from the moment he finds out that we're gonna have pictures his face goes south like he's just not happy. In fact, this week in honor of Micah, I am going to share a few of our Easter photos where he looks absolutely miserable. The good news about Easter looking different this year, we don't, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. We don't have to be shook. Shook. There was a shaking in this text. The Bible says in verse four, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Verse two tells us that there was an earthquake. There was a shaking. 
Have you noticed there are a lot of earthquakes here lately? I've, I've been noticing that. I don't know what's up with that. I'll have to ask the Lord to explain some of that to me. I've never been in an earthquake. Now, have, if I had been in an earthquake, I probably wouldn't say what I'm about to say to you. Um, but what I want to say is I want to be in an earthquake because I think it'd kind of be cool. Um, I've always, when I've gone to California, hoped for like a, a 0.3 earthquake to happen or 0.45 earthquake. N nothing over 1.0 scale. Just enough that I can just move and be like, oh yeah, I've been in an earthquake. I've heard that when it's really bad, you can look out over the horizon and look at roads and you just see them waving like an ocean. I don't know if that's true because I've never been in an earthquake. I'm not suggesting, Lord, that you send one to Austin, Texas. Um, and I'm not suggesting that I regret ever saying this. So please, uh, Lord, I'm just, I'm just saying for the sake of this sermon, I think it would be interesting to be shook. You know, this week I asked the Lord to shake me. There's a, there's a shaking in this scripture. When, when Jesus rises from the dead, there is, there's a shaking. And I think right now, this pandemic, there is a shaking that is going on. And a lot of us potentially are pushing the shaking away like at arm's length. God, don't impact my family. Don't impact my finances. Don't impact anyone that I love. But I think when there is a shaking and God is involved, he's not trying, he's not doing the shaking to us. He's doing the shaking for us. I heard someone say, and I quite identify with it, that maybe the shaking that is going on is to shake all of our idols off of their thrones. Maybe the shaking isn't to scare us. Maybe the shaking isn't to create financial turmoil. Maybe the shaking isn't to create isolation and depression. But maybe, just maybe, there's a shaking going on in our nation and in our world because God loves us enough that he allows the shaking. So at the end of the tremble, we all understand that he is the one thing that still remains. Maybe. So I laid in bed earlier this week. And I said, Lord, if there is anything that is not of you that resides within me, I ask that you would continue to shake me until that idol falls off of the throne. You see, I believe that every empty grave starts with a good shaking. Every miracle, every stone that is rolled away starts with a good shaking. So I just want to encourage you today, this morning on Easter Sunday, don't be afraid of the shaking. Don't push the shaking away. Listen, if, if God is a good father and he knows how to give us good gifts, it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter how the shaking makes you feel so uncomfortable. Maybe this is the uncomfortable revival that we're heading into. And maybe we won't see that empty grave until we embrace the shaking that is going on. And the stone was rolled away. I hope that we all realize this morning that the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that 
we could get in. So that we could get into the place where we thought there was death, where, where we expected to see dead things. The stone was rolled away. Je Jesus was already not in the grave before the stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away, not for his sake, but for ours. I, I love the spoken word that Pedro did this morning. Keep pressing, keep moving, keep going. The Lord told me at staff meeting this week, maybe it was last week, maybe, no, it was this week, and I was talking to our team on Zoom, social distancing. We were more than six feet apart. And I was just letting people know, our team know, I said, you know, the church will always be a place of hope. The church will always be a place of peace. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to continue to be a church that cries over the what ifs and the, the why us and the let, let's all just sing kumbaya and pray we get through this. Because last I checked, this church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. We're going to keep pushing that ball forward. We're going to keep running toward the empty grave. We're going to keep expecting Jesus to have risen. I, I get that there are emotions involved and there are circumstances and situations that we all have to process. But let me just tell you and remind you something this Easter. Your dreams aren't dead. The call of God on your life is not dead. The spirit of God that is breathing on your family right now, he is calling you to more action than ever before, more faith than ever before. You see, I believe, and I sent out an email this week, I don't think the church has been dispersed. I think the church has been deployed. I think we are sitting perfectly for God to do a miracle, not just in the the exchange church, which he is and he will, and I'm grateful for, but he wants to do a miracle in your home. He wants to do a miracle in your heart. He wants to use these moments of isolation where even Easter Sunday looks a little bit different, but guess what remains? His promise, his presence, and his power. That hasn't changed. It hasn't been pushed to the side. It hasn't been quarantined. We all need a good shaking. And we need that stone rolled away so that we can see that there is life. So it's real, y'all. It's real. That's just the intro to my sermon. So I need to move quickly. I've got three points today that I want to share with you. The first one is Jesus truly is the Son of God. It's real. He really, really is the Son of God. Write that down. Jesus really is the Son of God. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I have, a, I have a question for you. What is harder on this Easter to imagine and picture in your mind? 
the image of a Jesus who died for your sins on a cross, who came to serve, who was selfless, who was loving, or the image of an empty grave. For me, I would have to say, potentially it's easier for me to, at least in my mind's eye, paint a picture of Jesus on the cross. But if we can't start to see an empty grave, we will never be able to walk in the victory that God has designed for us. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. Who is Jesus? He is fully human, fully God. Luke chapter 4 verse 16 says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, I love that. It really just paints a picture of Jesus being fully human. He grew up, he had a boyhood home. He went as usual, everybody say as usual, as usual to the synagogue. That means Jesus went to church, y'all. That's right. Jesus was faithful in church attendance. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read the scriptures. If we skip a verse down to 418, he begins to quote Isaiah. Isaiah was written approximately 700 years prior. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now on the surface, it may look like Jesus showed up just for social justice issues. Good news for the poor, freedom for the captives, sight for the blind, relief for the oppressed. And it's true that the ministry of Jesus does all of these things. It, it does that and more. It's accomplished these goals throughout history. However, it's vital for you and I to understand that Jesus had deeper meaning in mind. He knew that his mission was primarily spiritual. In other words, Jesus came to accomplish our salvation. Oh, you thought you did that. You thought you did that when you said that prayer. No, your salvation has already been accomplished. When you acknowledge it and you just simply say the prayer, you're just stepping into what Jesus has already won for you. Jesus really is the son of God. The second really, really, really that I want to share with you today is Jesus really did raise from the dead. Jesus really did rise up from the grave. He is risen today. It's not a fairy tale. It's not just a kid's story that we talk about. It's not one of these things that a crutch that we use to get us through crisis and trauma. Jesus rose from the grave. The Bible tells us in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. 
Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Psalm 19, also Romans 1:20, describes to us that all of creation acknowledges and shouts the glory of God. They may not use English, they may not use Greek or Hebrew, they may not use Chinese or Chinese or uh, any other language, Spanish, any other language, but they speak with words so clear that Romans tells us that every human on planet earth will have no excuse to not know of the goodness and the glory of God because all of creation shouts his glory. Now, I'm telling you that Jesus rose from the grave. What I want to do to present to you because I'm imagining that there are people watching today. You've not said yes to Jesus. You're sitting there watching TV with your mom or dad or whoever it is that you're quarantined with. You have no better option and they're making you watch today. And you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you proof, tangible proof, using not scripture, but using logic and reason. So if you and I can go on a logic trail for a moment, I've got seven logical things that many scientists agree logically, this is, this is tangible proof as to the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. So I'm gonna walk you through that very, very quickly. The first one, the first tangible, logical, reasonable reason that the, uh, Jesus did rise from the grave is there was unreasonable success. Unreasonable success. How did a small band of disempowered Jews in an occupied and insignificant territory of ancient Rome accomplish all that they accomplished? I mean, listen, let's just talk for a moment. You realize that this notion of Jesus rising from the grave, this thing we're celebrating on Easter, this is not some new theory. For 2,000 plus years, the entire world has been celebrating this. This is unreasonable success. There is no other event on earth that has gained so much traction. So for that reason, that logical reason alone, you should ask yourself, hmm, what is behind this empty grave? The second tangible prophetic proof. In fact, one of the greatest scientists, Blaise Pascal, claims that this next point I'm, a, um, I'm gonna break down for you is the tangible proof. And that is the prophetic promise of the resurrection. If we look at Psalm 22:16, you can look that up later. I'm not going to display that for you, but it basically tells us that Jesus was pierced in his hands and his feet. Psalm 22 is, is written centuries before the Romans even developed crucifixion. That makes no sense. But, but what also makes no sense, Isaiah 53. 
Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12 goes into great detail, lays out the story of Jesus, the meaning of the resurrection. And this is absolutely evidence of intelligence beyond our timeline because Isaiah is written some 700 years before Jesus is ever born. That's not luck. That's not random chances. Like what are the odds? This is absolute prophetic proof described hundreds of years, centuries before Jesus is ever born. The exact nature of his death and his resurrection. I'm telling you, it's really real, y'all. And the third way that we know the resurrection is real is historians confirm his life and death. Historians confirm his life and his death. Jesus was a real person in history. We see this from secular records. Um, several manuscripts and multiple sources, including Jewish historians, uh, describe a man named Jesus who lived and was executed. Um, specific detailed reports about his execution also talk about blood and water being spilled when he was wounded in his side. Um, there, there are many reports that Jesus really, really died. Not, not just followers of Jesus suggesting that he died, because I know that's one of the sayings that critics say, well, he didn't really die. He was just wounded, got better within three days, and then made his rounds and made his appearance. But the reality is many secular, like non-Jesus-believing historians, historians detail the fact that Jesus lived and he died. Point number four. Logically, we can assume that the resurrection is true because it's not, it's not a game of telephone. Have you ever played the game of telephone where you have a lot of people over? Maybe you have enough in your home right now, you could play this game. And one person starts and they whisper into the ear and they say, Mary had a little lamb. Um, and then it goes around and, you know, it passes from one person to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and it starts with Mary has a little lamb and it ends with paying taxes is a scam. You know, I don't know. It's just totally different than when it started in the original phrase. If that happens when you play with eight people, nine people, or 10 people, how is it that this story of the early accounts of the resurrection can travel over 66,000 early manuscripts over 2,000 years and not lose the details and the accounts of what truly happened and not contradict one another? It's not a game of telephone. The Lord preserved the story because he wanted it to be told in 2020. He wanted us to be talking about the story with the actual facts and the details uh, on pandemic Easter Sunday when we're all stuck at home. It's not a telephone game, y'all. It's real. The fifth point that the resurrection really happened is, and this is just logic. Listen, if it's a made up story, they did an awful job making up a story. A better story could have been made up. If in that time they were going to make up a story about Jesus Christ, the Son of God coming to earth, dying on a cross 
for our sins. They would, have, they would have not made themselves look so bad. They would have left out details that invalidated the story, such as, you ever thought about how interesting it is that the first, the first people that God revealed himself to, women, women, if this was a made up story, they, they wouldn't have included that because at the time, women's testimony wasn't even legal. Their, their words couldn't be trusted. But God chose to come and display himself through things that confuse the world. You, you couldn't make up a story that bad. You would have, if we're making up the story, we're going to use the most trusted people in town to see Jesus alive, not the women. In that time, they wouldn't have used the women. But, but even beyond the women issue, do, do you really think the disciples would have made themselves look so weak and cowardly? They, they couldn't stand the heat. They couldn't stand the pressure. So they ran away. When it, when it really mattered, when it really counted, the disciples, they cracked, they bended, they ran, they bolted. Listen, if I'm going to make up a story, I'm going to be the hero. A better story could have been made up. So logically, it doesn't make sense that the story is made up. Come on, work with me. If you have common sense, you're following me this morning. The sixth one, common sense logically from fear to fearless. These same disciples who abandoned Jesus, now only days later find themselves full of courage willing to die for the cause, this doesn't make any sense. They're afraid of getting captured in Gethsemane. They're afraid of getting found out when Jesus is carrying the cross. They're afraid of the repercussions or being, being seen with him. They're scared, they're terrified. I, I may be too. But then days later, they're filled with courage. Something happened, they witnessed something that allowed the power of God to settle on them so much so that they would be willing to become martyrs in the same manner as Jesus. From fear to fearless, something happened. And I, I know it was an empty grave. The seventh point is an unmatched span. The story of Jesus travels high and low deep and wide, left and right. It infiltrates every socioeconomic level that exists. There are healthy people that believe in Jesus, unhealthy people that believe in Jesus. There are rich people that believe in Jesus, there are poor. There are black, there are white. There are young, there are old. There are American, there are Brazilian. You can think of anything in every, every polar opposite. And Jesus, the story of Jesus, the story of Easter, the empty tomb, the resurrection has come to life in every group that is known to man. And that leaves me with my third truth of really, really, really. Jesus really, really, really has prepared a place for you.
what after, what's after ATX, we're going to be talking in the coming weeks about near-death experiences, people that have died and gone to heaven. We're going to be looking at that, seeing what the Bible says about that. Listen, if you or I die before Jesus comes back and we've said yes to Jesus as our Savior, we have the guarantee that we get to spend eternity in heaven. Heaven, known as the Father's house, is, is a cube shape. It's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. And there's a lot of end time stuff that we could talk about. But know this, the Father's house is the place you want to spend eternity. In John 14, one through four, it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would, not, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. You know the way to the place where I am going. What is the way to the place? Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one else comes into the Father except through him. There are a lot of other religions in the world that do really great things and serve humanity and they, they have their, their gods and their idols but it all funnels back to Jesus. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died on a cross, that he died for our sins so that you and I could be in relationship with him, that his body was taken to a grave, a stone was rolled in its place. And prophecies centuries prior in the span of three days began to be made fulfilled and manifest. There was an earthquake. There was a shaking. The stone was rolled away. And Jesus is alive. He has risen. It's really real, y'all. My aunt, she's no longer with us. She's in heaven. But she had a near-death experience. She passed away and then came back to life and she spent some time in heaven and she told us of the story. As far as the eyes could see, there were beautiful flowers, vibrant colors. And the thing that stuck out in my mind of her story, as she was walking, she could feel her feet on the ground. She was barefoot. She could feel her feet and the, the flowers being squished but she turned to look around where she had walked. And, and she said, I, I remember thinking those flowers should not be standing, but not a single flower was pressed down. Heaven's really real, y'all. And the reality is none of us know the hour or the day when we're going to meet and come to face to face with our eternity. And beyond that, I won't even get into end times right now, but let me just tell you, church, Jesus is coming soon. 
I need you to hear me. He's coming sooner than you think he is. I hope to God that the shaking that is happening is this notion that we have time to play church because we don't. This is the hour where you need to lean into scripture more than ever before. You need to know who Jesus is. You need to know his voice. You need to open up your heart and allow him to know you because church, he's coming and he's coming soon and he's coming sooner than you think he's coming. Don't waste another day not being in deep, intimate relationship with him. It's really real, y'all. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I can think of no better day than Easter Sunday of 2020 to say yes. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, just place your hand over your heart. In fact, everyone in your living rooms right now, will you just place your hand over your heart, wherever you are. The prayer is so simple. There's no formula to it. All we have to do is believe in our heart that Jesus is the son of God and that he was raised from the dead and we become sons and daughters. So say this prayer, it's so, so simple. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And in this moment, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter. From this moment on, I say yes to you, God. I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. I believe he came to be my savior and Lord. And I say yes to you, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. For everyone else that's watching, if you'll just continue to pray with me. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you today. Father, on Easter Sunday, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our homes. God, I thank you for the shaking. I thank you for the craziness and the chaos. And maybe it's just me, God, but for some reason, it feels like when I, I'm in chaos, I, I hear you so clearly. I, I can touch you, I can see you. And I know maybe not everyone has that luxury in this moment. Maybe they feel very far from you, God, but I, I know that you are close to the brokenhearted. So Father, I ask, I ask God that you will just release your anointing in these homes right now in the name of Jesus. If there are any that are sick among us right now by the anointing of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Ghost, by the fact that the, the tomb is empty, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. We speak to our bodies and we command them to be healed in the name of Jesus. Anxiety, fear, depression, every mental illness, you must be far from us in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that on Easter we can live victoriously. God, that our purpose is not gone. Our purpose is not dead, but our purpose is still being awakened and developed. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. And Jesus' name, I pray. Let everyone say amen. amen. God bless you.